0: Here you go. Wake up, everyone. Wake up. It's Nothing Personal Live on March 22nd, 2023. We were all up late watching the World Baseball Classic, and I am still recovering. I'm recovering from several things that happened last night. Japan beat the United States in a classic World Baseball Classic Final, 3-2. to two. If you haven't seen it yet, I, I can't imagine how it's possible because there are millions of places to see it. Anywhere you are on social media, the game ended with Shohei Otani, the starting pitcher, the middle-of-the-order hitter for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, as the closer for the Japanese team, with Mike Trout, his teammate, with the Angels at-bat, in an at bat that I won't soon forget, that ended with a wipeout slider that Trout swung through, strike three, game over. Japan celebrates, Trout goes back to the dugout. And all I kept thinking the entire time is what's next? I went full Josiah Bartlett. What is baseball going to do to monetize this moment? We had a two-week buildup to something that we thought could happen, Japan, USA. You heard it on March 7th when I told you, bet Japan. They're plus 280. They're going to win the World Baseball Classic. You've never heard of their players, but by the end, you will know them all. You know Otani, but you will have heard of them all. You'll love the Cardinals player, Newt. You'll love baby babe, Morikami, and you'll say, wow, that guy can rake. You'll look at Suzuki and say, is he gonna be an MLB one of these days, throwing a buck two? You'll see Otani win the MVP by pitching, by hitting. But we were absolutely excited by Mexico and Randy Arozarena. excited by the USA, excited by their lineup, excited by teams that were a part of the Classic, who you didn't know, Dominican Republic before it started, best lineup, best pitching staff. Vladimir Guerrero's hurt, no problem. Dominican is where it's at. Puerto Rico beating Dominican and then losing Edwin Diaz in the celebration. So many storylines. What does Rob Manford do to capitalize on this? When you plan the World Baseball Classic, you have to have concomitant, revenue generating activities, not tangential. They have to be completely related. In the collective bargain agreement, there are already approvals and agreements for MLB to play games internationally, whether it's in London, Paris, Japan, Mexico. You set it up, you have the players agree to it, you then go to those countries and you get a partner. The partner is the promoter. The promoter is the person who pays MLB to bring the act to that particular country and that particular home ballpark. It's like a concert tour. You wonder where Springsteen plays or Taylor Swift plays. Taylor Swift has a promoter. Taylor Swift's promoter goes around and says, do you want me to play at MetLife? All right, here's the cost of having my artist play at MetLife. You then can charge whatever you want with tickets, but by the way, we're taking a percentage of that. You can sell the rights to broadcast the Taylor Swift concert, but by the way, we're taking a percentage of that. You can sell Taylor Swift merchandise. By the way, we're taking a percentage of that. You're going to give us a minimum guarantee, and then we're going to take a percentage of the profit on top of that while we have rights to audit. MLB, when they are planning international games, they take a sum of money from a promoter. They give that money to the players' union. They give that money to the teams who are participating, where you have to replace their home games for the home team that's losing the home games for regular season. You give money to the visiting team in higher per diems and a flat amount of money for making the effort. The promoter takes those games and sells them to local broadcast networks local now streaming services who will show the games. You add it all up. Then on top of that, MLB takes another cut and you've got yourself an international strategy. The best part about the World Baseball Classic was not the United States having such a good team and losing in the finals. The best part is that the United States lost in the finals. The best part of the World Baseball Classic from baseball standpoint, and they won't tell you this, But baseball does not root for the United States to win. Here's why. They are going for the globalization of the game. They are going for the incremental revenue because when you look at the Fox broadcast deal and the extra money they get for the WBC, it's something. But the main money will come with the bigger broadcast deals in Japan. If Japan sees what's going on with the World Baseball Classic, when Japan sees what's going on with Major League Baseball, and there's more and more Japanese players playing in MLB, they will then spend more money with MLB for rights. Example, the Miami Marlins had no presence in Japan. There was no money flowing into Miami from any Japanese companies. We sign Ichiro, we immediately have sponsors who call us. We don't know who to call, they call us. Hey, we're Sato Pharmaceuticals. We want to have a behind-the-plate sign. Hi, well, what can we charge you? And we looked at our rate card and said, we'll charge you 20% over the highest rate we've charged anybody, and they say, terrific. Can you make sure that it's on when each row's at the plate? Well, no, but you buy the innings and you're going to watch the games. Japan is going to broadcast Marlins games. They never broadcast a Marlins game before. Each will goes to the Marlins. They broadcast games. They're broadcasting Angels games. They're now going to broadcast Red Sox games. The cleanup hitter for Japan is on the Red Sox. There will be more and more Japanese players coming to play in in Major League Baseball, because scouts were there to look at Suzaki. There were 62 scouts looking at the 21-year-old who's not gonna be available for four years. Guess what else they saw? They saw bullpen arms that when they look at their own bullpens, they say, God, what a bunch of schleppers we have. We gotta get these guys in. But do all Japanese players and their success translate to Major League Baseball? Absolutely not. We have seen examples where there are players who were good but not great, who were okay, not great, not good. When you are scouting the Japanese players, you actually grade on a curve. And it's not that you're grading that they're playing against worse competition. But if you look at how the Japanese players played, I think you could see a lot of Ichiro in a lot of the players. A little bit of Hideo Nomo. You see how hitters, they're lefties, so many lefties. I don't know how they get so many lefties in the Japanese lineup. It's like they, they produce lefties in Japan somehow. Or the kids grow up saying we want to be Ichiro and they turn themselves into lefties. All of that is possible. But when Japanese players come, there is an adjustment. And it's not just the language adjustment. It's the cultural adjustment, which is significant. It is the level of competition that is significant. The travel, the foreign nature of what they're doing if you speak to American players, I had a conversation with Dan Straley, one of our pitchers who ended up going to pitch in Korea. He now loves Korea. I've spoken to Justin Bohr about his experience overseas in Asia. They look at it as an incredible opportunity when an MLB opportunity is not there. Think about that mentality. Players go to Japan only when they feel they cannot get compensated the way they want to in MLB or they can't even get a job in MLB. Trevor Bauer is the latest example. He's not signing for 4 million in Japan saying I've, my life's goal has been to play in Japan. Give me a break. By the way, what team did he sign with Nippon? The Nippon ham team, Coco Bauer did. Because if he did, I believe that the manager of the WBC for Japan is the manager for that team. I don't know where I may have heard that. I may be totally mixing up two things, but either way, those guys go to Japan or they go to Asia because they have to. The Japanese players come to the USA and play in MLB because they want to, because in Japan, they are gods. When they come here, it's different. You have to be at the Ichiro level. And even Ichiro in the States did not attain the level of insane celebrity that he has in Japan. He's the Beatles in Japan. He's the Rolling Stones in the United States. Shohei Otani in Japan is Beatles X, Beatles on steroids. And here in the United States, he's not even Taylor Swift. There was a big talk yesterday about all the social media exposure that WBC got Shohei Otani went from 2 million Instagram subscribers to 4 million Instagram subscribers during the course of the WBC unbelievable doubled his presence on social media 4 million people you're saying to yourself that's amazing baseball's back Otani's the greatest I got two words for you Kyle Kuzma who who the hell is that? He's a player in the NBA with about 4.9 Instagram followers, million. Is that possible that you've got an NBA player and an NBA league that is so far ahead of MLB and social media, that is so far ahead of MLB both internationally and domestically in every possible way. But a moment like this in the World Baseball Classic, it narrows the gap. And that's why the World Baseball Classic was started. We sat in meetings. We don't tell you the truth. We don't tell the media the truth. We sit in actual meetings and we discuss the fact that we're losing our strongholds. That may not be the word. We're losing our grip on the national pastime. We're becoming regional. We're losing our grip on the revenue lead in sports that but for the extra home games and double the size of the season of the NBA, we'd have an opportunity where our revenue would not be NBA-style revenue. Losing in terms of how far behind we are to the nfl gaining revenue at a lesser percentage increased clip than the nfl is we sit there we know it you think the tweaks to the game the tweaks to the rules going international having a focus like this on the world baseball classic do you think for a minute all that is by accident and it is not meant to narrow the gap domestically. It is meant to increase the gap internationally because MLB does have an advantage internationally. NFL is trying in London, not working great. NFL is trying in Germany, not working great. And the NFL is trying to catch MLB internationally, but MLB knows it can't catch NFL domestically. So what do you do? In your own business, in your own life, don't you try to make your strengths stronger and downplay your weaknesses. There's an old story before we get to the next topic. There's an old story. When you for our hitters, there are hitters who are really good fastball hitters, but they can't hit the spin very well. They can't recognize the spin. They're not they just for whatever reason, they can't deal with sliders away or breaking balls. When you look at what they do in the cage and what they focus on, they try to become even better fastball hitters. They take what they're good at and they try to become better. You do that in your own life. If you're good at swimming but not biking and running and you're training for a triathlon, you're gonna swim more than you bike and run. If you're good at running and you're training for a triathlon, you're gonna run more than you swim or bike. We all go to our strengths, but the most successful people make their strengths better but they focus on getting their weaknesses toward the strength part of the dial but it's hard so you're rob manford and you know that you're trying to increase your globalization you're trying to grow the game grow the international revenue make it so the international part of baseball can distribute more millions of dollars to each of the teams because that money is split 30 ways what do you do you pump up the World Baseball Classic, you then meet the media, and then you got to make sure that your comments are very, very pointed when you're asked the questions that you know you're going to be asked. And boy, did Rob Manfred get those questions. What was the first thing that U.S. writers were going to ask about the USA Japanese game before the game started? First question, where are the pitchers? That's his, That's the first question. When you look and see who USA is sticking out there, they're starting Kelly. They're going on to loop. They're going on to, they've got Devin Williams in the back of the bullpen. Ryan Presley didn't get a chance to get in the game. That's fine. The bullpen's decent. Where are the starters? Well, I'll tell you why the great American starters aren't pitching the World Baseball Classic because the great American owners are saying to the great American commissioner, we have no interest in lending. You our great American player. I don't care about the insurance, I don't care about any of it. I am not having a pitcher pitch in March in these leverage situations. Are you watching the games? It is a nightmare for executives. I tried to separate myself. I remember watching the 17 Classic with Stanton and Yelich, watching the USA win, absolutely mortified that they were going to get hurt, knowing that we had a crack at doing something in 17, hopefully trying to rebound from the passing of Jose, trying to get one more year out of that team, seeing if we could hit and pitch, and you just don't want the injuries. And injuries have been such a big part of this World Baseball Classic that it's created this debate. Oh, the injuries can happen anywhere. Oh, owners are okay. They're not. So Rob Manford actually had to give a quote saying, it's great the guys that we have, but I'd like to see pitching staffs that are of the same quality as our position players it's sort of a little MF to the existing staff on the USA team. But the reason he said that is he's talking to owners. He actually gave the truth, which is having pitchers on the team requires buy-in from the teams. And to do that, we have to communicate with the clubs, but we can't just say that your pitchers won't get hurt. He's, Rob Manford is saying we've got to give them data and analytics. And here's the data that they have to give them, and they can't find it because it doesn't exist. Rob wants to give teams the data that supports the notion that playing in high stakes games in March helps development. They're never going to come up with it. Now, I could come up with an economic study right now that says ballparks are great for surrounding areas, great for communities, and more public money should be put into sports teams all over the country. Give me one day. Samson and Coca will do an investigation and come up with an economic feasibility and an economic report that shows how great it is. Do I believe that MLB is going to come up with a report that shows that there is no correlation between WBC participation and injury, that there is a direct correlation between WC participation and readiness for April? But I'm going to listen to the players on this one. I'm going to listen to Ron Darling when he says, I love the WBC, but there's no way that I'm going to pitch in it. There's no way that I would have been that ready in March to have that type of stress on my arm. Look at what was going on with Shohei Otani in the ninth inning of last night's game. Look at how Kelly was pitching just to start the game. It looked like a playoff game. It felt like a playoff game. The reason why the playoffs are in October is because your body has had six months, not just to break down, it's the other way. It's had six months to train itself and to train its muscles and its tendons to the stress that they will be under on a day by day basis. No matter how many bullpens you throw, no matter how many exhibition games you play, it is completely different when the lights go on. Not because there's 35,000 people there versus 5,000. It's because when the stakes are higher, the body pays more attention. It's like an adrenaline issue. John Smaltz, the play-by-play, uh, the analyst for, for Fox calling the games, he talked about how important it would be for Otani as a starter. When he came in to close, he said one thing that Otani's better get right is you've got to slow your heartbeat down. They, he said, increase the RPMs, but make sure the heart rate slows down because you're not coming in for six innings. You're not settling into a groove. You are there to get three outs, period. That's why there's so few starters who can become such great closers. Dennis Eckersley, John Smaltz, they had this ability to have both gears. Shohei Otani hadn't closed a game, God knows how long, eight years maybe. Maybe he was a kid the last time he got brought out of the bullpen. And so what happens when your body is at attention, is that it causes you to do things with your arm that you otherwise wouldn't do in a spring training game. And that is to let loose on a first pitch, 101 mile per hour pitch to Mike Trout. By the way, that's the middle of the order bat, throwing 101 to Mike Trout. All of the discussions about move the world baseball classic, play it during the summer, play the pool games in March and then play the quarters and semis and finals during the All-Star break. Take two weeks off. Do what hockey does. Take the Olympic break. Rob Manford was asked about this, just like you've all asked me about, and I've given you my answer. We chose March because it was the only possible time to get agreement, enough owners to agree, number one, and number two, enough players to agree. And it's not even a lot of players who've agreed. Players don't want to play in November. They don't want to play during their all-star break. They want a break. And when the season's over, they want to be done. And you can't have non-playoff players playing in November because they will have been off for a month. So there's zero chance that the WBC can move. And Rob basically said it's true. He said moving the event to the middle of the regular season or the end it's unlikely we've talked about timing until your head hurts Rob said it's just there's no perfect time we can't really do it during the playoffs because so many players would be down we've talked about something in the middle of the season I think on balance although it's not perfect this is probably the right place for it being the commissioner is hard being an executive is hard Because we know that we are promoting something that deep down in our bile, that is not perfect. But there's nothing we can do about it. We don't have the votes. We don't have the leverage. We don't have the acceptance. We don't have the buy-in. And that's it. So stop with the debate. World Baseball Classic will be back in 2026. It will be back in March of 2026. It will be incredibly exciting to watch to see if Mexico can make it the final step to see if the Dominican can make up for what happened to see if Puerto Rico will have Edwin Diaz back. Let's not kid ourselves. Edwin Diaz will be healthy by then. He will be in the third year of his five-year deal with the Mets, Will Steve Cohn, who may or may not have won a World Series by that time, he'll be outside his initial three- to five-year window. Is he going to be so giving of Lindor, Diaz, etc.? The politicking and lobbying going on starts today. Now, Rob Manfred talked about the fact that he doesn't want to lobby. He doesn't lobby. That's not his thing. I don't want to lobby owners and players. I want to actually give them hard statistical facts. It's a bunch of horse hockey. The amount of backroom lobbying that goes on, the phone calls that go on, the anger that's shown by the commissioner's office when owners become less than interested in having their players play, this is all real. The total number of owners who changed their mind about the WBC because of the excitement of this classic, wait for it, let me count. So there's, oh, no, he didn't. What about, it could be, no, all right, you're right, zero. That's the number of owners who changed their mind what it was going into the Classic, changed their position, changed their mind given what happened in the Classic. That's the facts, Jack. The other thing Rob Manford talked about made me laugh. Did you see Evan Drellick send a tweet? There was a scrum by Rob Manford and Evan got word that MLB is looking at tweaking the rules that are just starting this year. The pitch clocks, the batter being ready in eight seconds, the shift the pick the number of throws to first base all of these things are now being discussed as possibly being tweaked before the regular season rod manfred actually came out and said that in the next few days you will hear about some potential tweaking really he called it quote a series of clarifications For those of you who don't know the legal terminology, clarifications are done to explain a rule that which already exists, not to announce a new rule. Clarifications are not new rules. They are not adjustments to rules. Clarifications are explaining to people why a rule is what it is. If he's going to change any of these rules, then don't tell us it's a series of clarifications. Tell us it's a series of adjustments. That's a word you could use. Adjusting a rule is the same as changing. I could go to my thesaurus and find those as synonyms, not antonyms. But clarifications? MLB is always clarifying rules. They're sending memos during this season after John, uh, not John, come on, David, Max Scherzer. After Max Scherzer played with the pitch clock and had that gamesmanship, remember, in the spring training game, and MLB sent a memo immediately, that was a clarification menu about what is allowed and what is not allowed under the rules. Will MLB do another memo? They're always doing clarification memos. They were doing those types of memos when the catching rule changed. Remember the catcher could not get in the way of the guy sliding home from third, the Scott Cousins Buster Posey rule. We got clarifications. MLB knows better they don't have the data to do adjustments right now you can't look at spring training and say we've got enough to go on we're ready to make a change that's a bunch of horse hockey you have to actually see it work over the course of a regular season see how the players are going to act adjust how the umpires are going to call it then you can get the competition committee together and talk about rule changes rule adjustments MLB and their lawyers on-field operations department, they're going to come up with a clarification, all right? Just a clarification. You wait and see how that works. It's going to be a whole bag of nothing, I promise. All right, when we come back, we're going to review Black Panther, and then we're going to talk about something that's going on in the NHL that is going to surprise you in terms of how it makes you feel about sports, business, and money. We'll be right back.
1: Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.
0: For those of you watching live on Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel, we are live Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. If anything changes in that regard, we'll let you know. We still release Tuesdays, Thursdays because we're a daily 45-minute show. Tell your friends about us. Follow us. Rate Review, subscribe, enjoy. We love doing the show live. Wish we did it more. We should talk about that, Coca. I finally got to Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. I watched that because I meant to watch Angela Bassett. I had not seen it before the Oscars. I actually thought she'd win the Oscar. That goes to show me I voted for her without having seen the movie, which really pissed me off because it's one of the few categories I didn't get right on last Sunday. So I watched this movie and all I kept thinking about was Chadwick Boseman and how they were gonna honor him because the character dies, the actual actor dies. They've gotta find a way to move forward because money's money, it's a series and it makes money. The script, the running time, the running time was long, the script was tight, the acting was special, but Angela Bassett, she was fine. Nothing Oscar worthy about her performance. I don't think that that is a big epiphany at all. She's an incredible actress. It was really cool having her nominated as a Marvel character being the first ever, but I wanted to know when was the Oscar moment. When people win Oscars, you can go to a movie and say, hey, there's that moment in the movie, that speech, that exchange, that dialogue. There were some heavy moments about Angela that she had to navigate through as it related to Chadwick etc but for me it wasn't an Oscar winning performance it was an Oscar nominated worthy performance the movie itself I'm glad I saw it because I watched the Marvel movies but do I put it even in my top 10 of Marvel movies I do not Black Panther Wakanda forever was worth the watch if you like that type of movie but in terms of special special that eh, it was good all right, the NHL made an announcement yesterday. Here we go. So many fans are unhappy about it. So many players are going to be unhappy about it. Let me explain. When you look at teams, when they're on the field, there are exclusive on-field merchandise suppliers in every league. Hockey has their uniforms sponsored by Adidas. Adidas. That means Adidas makes the uniforms. That means they get to have their logo on the uniforms. And that means no one else Nike, Reebok, Under Armour, nobody. That's it. It's got to be Adidas. Baseball has Nike. They have Nike undershirts, Nike overshirts for the uniforms, Nike pants. There's Nike gym shorts. It's all Nike, all the time. In order to have the right to have actual on-field apparel rights, you pay money to the league. It's like a sponsorship deal, except it's even bigger because you're getting on-field exposure and your responsibility is even bigger because you actually have to make the product. There are times when leagues are trying to raise revenue where they will let me change the subject for one second. I've spoken to you about this. I'm gonna to speak to you about it again. When we had a chance, if you're gonna be a Coke or Pepsi building, right? The concession, are you a Coke building or a Pepsi building? You get paid and you then you choose. Whoever pays you the most, you're gonna go with Coke products or Pepsi products. There are teams who have medical sponsors all teams will say, we love the doctors. We always go with the best doctors. But wink, wink, by the way, those organizations, those hospitals spend a lot of money with the teams. I got lucky in my time because our sponsor was University of Miami. And University of Miami has Dr. Lee Kaplan, who is the number one team doctor in sports. There are players who may not agree with that because there's players who don't like all doctors because they view injuries and recovery as sometimes a doctor's fault the reason why lee kaplan is so good in miami is so good is because he's not a cut first call later guy don't like the cut first call later guys i want to be called first and only cut when you have to guy but more importantly he understands what the injuries are when the players will come back and that's the information i need to run a team however there are teams who are influenced by sponsorship dollars and that's on the medical side. When it comes to on-field apparel, there is no other God than the God of green. Whatever company comes to you and says, we will pay you X plus Y. You're getting X. We'll pay you X plus Y. We're in. The league say, hell yeah. Under Armour. Does this sound familiar? You did it. You called MLB and we approved a deal. I sat there and approved a deal. That Under Armour would be the new on-field apparel partner of Major League Baseball because we knew the extra number of millions that were coming into our pocket. Guess what? Do you ever remember any Under Armour apparel on-field in Major League Baseball? I'm just spitballing. Any recollection? Nope because the deal was announced so many years in advance. By the time it came time to actually do the deal, Under Armour was so on its ass that it said, please, please let me out of the deal. I can't pay. I can't pay. So baseball goes walking back to Nike and says, hey, you got to match this. Please, please, can you just match it? I mean, mean, we could stay with Under Armour, but it's going to suck. Can you match it? And then all of a sudden, you're back with Nike. The NHL announced a deal yesterday with Fanatics. Let me give you my background of fanatics. Fanatics are for lazy people. And I say that with love. Not much love, but some love. When we were building the ballpark, the question was, do we go with fanatics? Fanatics will run your team store for you. Fanatics will take care of producing all of the apparel. They will make all of the decisions. They will man the shop, take care of the numbers. You will get paid upfront and then a percentage of sales and then you don't have to worry about it at all and by the way the amount of control you have can fit in between my fingers where a ray of flashlight cannot make it through no control you have no quality control your creative control is iffy at best look at those hockey jerseys So Fanatics announces that they're going to do the hockey jerseys. Started in 2024. Why? Because Gary Bettman is looking right now to maximize his league revenue, to increase it. But then fans went crazy on social media. The reason we didn't want Fanatics is that we wanted control, period. By the way we left and then Fanatics took over Marlins new ballparks the new era team store, I believe is run by Fanatics now at Marlins Park. Those of you who are at the World Baseball Classic, you could maybe confirm that, but I think that's true. Fanatics has taken a stronghold in so many different ballparks, so many different leagues. They are building an empire. They're gonna have gambling. They're gonna have merchandise. They're gonna have an ex- a place, an exchange place It wouldn't surprise me if they try to get into the secondary ticket market. Other things besides apparel, memorabilia, anything. Do they wanna become Amazon? Maybe, is there room for another Amazon? For sure. But why are the fans not happy? The fans aren't happy because they view the fanatics to have poor quality. They view fanatics to not care about comfort, fit, size, or the fact that you spend money on a shirt and then after one washing it's gone what about players do they have say nope what about teams do they have say in their own designs now we're told we have say in the designs this is good so we designed our new uniform in 2011 when we switched to miami from florida to miami we worked with mlb designers we had approval over the design over the m over the rainbow colors however mlb had to point out to us through its licensee hey those are going to be hard to replicate all those colors it's very expensive and we stood our ground and ended up with the m that you saw at the ballpark last night because some people still wear it even though it's been washed away by the current regime not bitter just commenting you know i am going to comment hold on coca you can slice this and dice this if you want People were asking me yesterday, how do I feel about watching Marlins Park and watching it be full? And the answer is, I wasn't jealous, I wasn't bitter, I was nothing but thrilled. The amount of pride I felt for being involved in the construction of a ballpark that so many people were accessing, and it doesn't matter to me that next week at Marlins Park there'll be 8,000 people or fewer, none of that matters. What matters is that there's a ballpark that for a moment in time was able to host an event, whether it's a concert, a World Baseball Classic, an all-star game, a playoff game, an opening day, the fact that it provides jobs, the fact that there were so many people who made memories, I took pleasure in it. Not one ounce of bitterness. There was an ounce of wistfulness. I was thinking to myself what it would have been like to still be there reminding myself of how great the 2017 World Baseball Classic was where I was there running the team, but it was only the early round. It was not semis and finals. It's just a different feeling. And I hadn't had that feeling in a ballpark since Joel Osteen. So was I wistful? Yeah. Bitter? Absolutely not. So we have a chance to do the jersey design. All teams in hockey will have a chance to work with fanatics, but you don't have quality control. That's for sure. What do you do if you're the NHL and you are getting this amount of heat? Nothing. I don't know if you remember, but when we switched from Florida to Miami, we got tens of thousands of emails of anger. Don't you dare switch it. This is horrific. These colors, we had some terribly misogynistic, homophobic thoughts on what we were doing from homophobics. But guess what? The M hat and the orange jersey, for a period of time in 2012, were the number one selling items in MLB. People eventually turned around and grew to like it. NHL fans will do the same, I promise. Does it mean that the quality will be good? No. Does it mean that fanatics will fulfill its contract? Yes, fanatics folks, they're not going anywhere. So you better get used to it. I'm finding myself right now at 55. I told you, I gave you some insight into my sort of mental health. I told you what it was like on my birthday. I told you I didn't enjoy my birthday. I don't enjoy birthdays. I told you that I'm feeling old, turning double nickels. It impacted me greater than 50. I'm beginning to get more and more alerts about people who are passing away, who I knew or who are a part of my life, who I viewed as peers. When people say, oh, this person died at 55, it seems on the young side, but not tragic like when they're dying in their 30s. When people are dying at 80, I used to say, wow, that person's old. And now I say, my God, I'm around the corner. Now, you could say I've done a lot in 25 years, so I have another 25 years till I'm 80. 25 years ago is 1998, I hadn't even gotten into baseball yet, and think about what's happened in that 25 year time period, I get it. Believe me, I'm not stopping. I will still be going strong 25 years from now. That said, when the text alerts come, when people are passing away, or when I watch the In Memoriam segments on the Oscars, it's impacting me. The text I got yesterday was crushing. Willis Reed, the captain of the New York Knicks, of the two championship teams of 1970 and 73, died at 80. I was introduced to Willis Reed. Play it, look at me, Louie. I was introduced to Willis Reed by Red Holzman. I had the opportunity to have conversations with Willis Reed and I was a teenager. And then I was in my 20s and I knew that I loved basketball. I knew that I loved sports. I knew that I wanted to be in basketball. And Willis Reed is only 6'9". By the time I met him, he was probably 6'8". But I was tipping the ruler at 5'5". And I always liked sitting down during conversations because it felt strange having long conversations with someone when there's a neck issue that it would literally hurt my neck. And Willis Reed taught me something because I asked him about the importance of the tunnel game the tunnel game go look it up it's when he limped he got hurt and he limped there for warm-ups he started the game and then was taken out immediately it's sort of like what Draymond Green did for the last game of or for the first game of Clay Thompson boy I may have mixed that up coca but do you remember when Draymond Green just took the court even though he was hurt and then immediately got taken out of the game because he wanted to be there when Clay came back whatever if I got that wrong I got it wrong but I think that's what happened So Willis Reed did something very similar to that. And his Knick team picked him up and they won a title. And it is known to Knick fans as the moment in franchise history because ever since then, they haven't won a title. Ever since then, they've had some Patrick Ewing moments. But overall, it has not been what it was. So I'm talking to Willis Reed. And I was asking him, I I was asking him about what it is to be a champion, because even then, before I was in sports, I had this dream of winning. I would watch all the champagne celebrations, wanting to one day be a part of it, not thinking I ever could or would, who would ever believe that you can have a dream that can come true, but you stay with it. You hope, you hope, you hope. And I asked Willis about it. And he said, if he had to do it again, and I remember this and I tried to do it in my life, and it's so damn hard. If I had to do it again, I would have been more present. He was the one with Red Holzman who talked to me about being present, and I'm the one who violated it who went through a 2003 World Series championship and barely has memories of the parades or memories of the moments, only a few moments, who went through the World Baseball Classic, the All-Star Game, the sale of the team, so many things that I've done where I've tried to be present, trying to follow the words and the feelings of Willis Reed and failing him, thinking to myself and rationalizing, well, he couldn't do it either, so it's okay that I didn't do it. I'm done with that. I don't want to rationalize when I do things wrong because other people do them wrong. I don't want to to rationalize being mediocre because other people are satisfied with mediocrity. I want it to be the other way. I want people to look at the extraordinary, to look at the greatness, to look at the ability to be a part of that moment of greatness like last night. Be a part of that moment of Otani facing Trout. Have it. Live with it, let it seep into you and then act on it no matter what you're doing, no matter how many people are watching you do it, no matter whether you have an audience of one or a platform of 10 million. Willis Reed will be missed, 80 years old, the captain number 19, rest in peace. Thank you, Willis. All right, wait to seize when I tell you something's gonna happen. If it happens, great. If it doesn't happen, great, but guess what? I will revisit it, I promise you. John Morant is coming back tonight. He's missed eight or nine games with the Memphis Grizzlies. Go to previous episodes, we've talked about John Morant, the fact that he had mental health issues. He's got off the court issues tremendously. He went to Florida, got better quickly. Adam Silver suspended him and he's now eligible to come back. He was told what to say to the media and he was pretty successful at it. He talked about the fact that he's gotta get better, he's gotta get smarter, that he's not totally better now, but it's a work in process, a work, cut that, that he's a work in progress. There is some question about whether he will play tonight, whether he will come off the bench or start, and I say this for my wait to see, John Morant will play over 20 minutes against the Rockets tonight. Whether it comes off the bench or not, I don't care. After missing nine games, they can put him as the sixth man, but the Grizzlies, are fighting for positioning in the playoffs and they've got to get the team back playing together because at the end of the day, what the owner wants, what the coach wants, what the players want is they want May and June success. To do it, you've got to have John Morant and you've got to start now. So John Morant will play over 20 minutes, you wait to see, even though it's first game since March 3rd. And my hope for John Morant is that he gets better. But I got worried with one of the quotes he said, which was, I don't have an alcohol problem. I never had an alcohol problem. I went to Florida for counseling to learn how to manage stress, cope with stress in a positive way instead of ways I've tried to deal with it before that caused me to make mistakes. I get it. And I am not commenting on his mental health or saying that I don't believe it because I do. I'm not saying that he's an alcoholic because I have no idea what I am saying is that people who tend to protest about what they don't have, tend to have it. I've seen so many players with alcohol problems, so many executives with alcohol problems. Being a celebrity and being a star athlete is far more difficult, and I'm not asking you to play a violin for any of them or any of us. But the scrutiny, the mental strain of the scrutiny The need to perform every night to be the best you can be physically while feeling lonely, while surrounded by thousands of people is palpable. It's real and it's shared by more athletes than you realize. As John Morant comes back, I hope that this will be a blip in his career and that he will never have these issues again either drinking drugs being in the wrong place at the wrong time which some people believe is possible some people believe is is a statement of fact don't tell me you're in the wrong place at the wrong time just say that you are where you are for John ja morant he's got to look at the contract that he signed and he's got to realize that if he doesn't go by the straight and narrow starting tonight against the rockets it will start to cost him money even with the contract that he signed even with the extension he signed he'll learn pretty soon that it's just business good luck tonight ja see you all tomorrow this is nothing personal
2: introducing WonderSuite from bluehost.com the tool that makes wordpress wonderful for everyone